0: My name is Anthony P. Richards. I'm a pastor and I started this podcast channel to equip, encourage, inspire, and challenge you to passionately live to your potential in Christ through the Word of God. For more information, you can go to my YouTube channel, Anthony P. Richards. Welcome to another day as we journey through the Word of God. I'm so glad you're joining me and I pray that you just Allow the Holy Spirit just to reveal to you whatever God wants to reveal to you today as you listen to this. Psalm 13 is what we are looking at today. A psalm of David to the chief musician. To the chief musician. Another psalm that God received from David. David wrote this psalm to God, the chief musician. And it is about watching David go on a journey of having his eyes opened. And it really is another psalm, and this is very consistent with David, going through the journey of life, the ups and downs. And he starts a lot of psalms in places of despair and lament. And then as he remembers what God has done in the past and what God has said in the past, he gets himself to a place where his faith is restored. And that's a reminder for us as we go through life that no matter what our starting point is in the circumstances of life, we must always remember what God has said and what God has done and allow that to rise up within us. David always finishes in a place of joy and and trusting God and encouragement to us. But he starts in the places that just remind us of us so many times. Psalm 13 starts off in verse 1, "'How long, O Lord, will you forget me forever?' Talk about a drama, queen. <laughs> oh, I can't believe you've just forgotten me. Oh. But we've all done it, right? We've all done it. I can't believe God's just forgotten me. He just must be so busy taking care of all the starving children. We forget that God is omnipresent, omnipotent, and om- omniscient. He knows all. He's, he's everywhere. He can take care of everything in an eternal instant. God's never forgotten but it seems that every person who's a Christ follower asks this question at some point or another in their life, feeling neglected by God, or that you've waited too long for God to do something about the desperate situation that you are in. And I think this is what, David, how long will you hide your face from me? How long? How long? This is the critical question of this psalm. Sometimes we just don't make it through trials because they're just too long for us. How long? I just can't. I don't know how long I can handle it. Guzik said, uh, We feel we could endure almost anything if we knew when it was actually going to come to an end. Yet sometimes we are tried under problems that make us just cry out simply, how long? Spurgeon said this, and I love this. I love this quote. Whenever you look into David's Psalms, you may somewhere or another see yourself. You never get into a corner, but you find David in that corner. I think that I was never so low that I could not find that David was lower than me. I never climbed so high that I could not find that David was up above me, ready to sing his song upon his stringed instrument, even as I could sing mine. Ah. Will you forget me forever? Such dramatic words. How long will you hide your face from me? The pain in David's heart came from a place that he felt that God had forgotten him, and that somehow God was purposely distancing Himself from David. And and I've you know David faced some pretty bad circumstances, uh, but he was always uh, more full of bravado, godly bravado, when he felt that God's presence was with him. That's why he had no hesitation killing Goliath. But now he's in this position where he feels very distant from God. And it, David was a pretty emotional guy because it didn't take him much, didn't take much to go on in his world to send him into despair. But the truth is that God will never forget us. He has said that. His word, I will never forsake you. Never. He said that. So you don't, so you've got to remember what God's word said. That's what David had to do. Forget, hide your face. These words that David used, of course David never, uh, was not forgotten by God. Um, when you have very strong feelings about God's sense of abandonment to you in a circumstance, you create a reality in your own head that's just not true. David felt that God had forgotten him, and he felt that God was hiding, and so for him it was true because he felt it. But it was only true according to his feelings. It actually was not true according to the actual fact. And there is a balance in life, that we have to find when it comes to our feelings. Because some people think that feelings just should be totally ignored and they should have nothing to do with our relationship with God. But God gave us feelings as an an expression uh, of his image in us because he has feelings. And we have a whole range of feelings that we can go through. Anger, love, care, sorrow. Why? Because they're feelings that come from God. He has those same feelings. Feelings are a gift from God, and they're, they're a sign to us that we're made in his image. But also, there are many people who are ruled by their feelings, and facts never get a look in. They believe, well, well, whatever you feel, that's your truth. That's your truth. Your truth is whatever you feel. No, the truth is what the word of God says. The truth is Jesus. I'm the way, the truth, and the life. Truth is not about my perception. People say, well, perception's your perception is just reality. No, it's reality in your own head is what you feel, but just because you perceive it doesn't mean it's an actual fact. The problem is we have these feelings because we're made in the image of God, but our feelings are influenced by our sin, by our fallen nature. So we can't trust our feelings when it comes to God abandoning us or trust our feelings if our feelings are leading us to believe something that is contrary to the word of God. You can't go with your feelings if your feelings take you somewhere that says this isn't true. And it was right for David to feel these feelings and it was good for him to take them to God, but he could never accept the reality of his feelings and say, well, they are reality. He just was being very honest and transparent with God. I feel like you've hidden yourself from me. I I feel like you've just forgotten me. I'm just being honest. This is just David being honest. But of course, David doesn't stay there, which I think was what many people today do. So then we move on. That was just verse one. Verse two, (laughs) how long shall I take counsel in my soul, having sorrow in my heart daily? How long will my enemy be exalted over me? So again, he says, how long? David was discouraged um, and, and taking counsel in his own soul had led him to this place of sorrow in his heart daily. And whenever you and I are discouraged or we're depressed, It's you. You and I will never find the answer to get out of our discouragement or our depression. You'll never find it, and I'll never find it inside myself. I'll always find it in God by looking to God. Guzik said, many times when I'm confronted with problems, I find this to be true. The more I think about the problem, the more depressed I get. But when I pray about the problems, a glorious sense of release and peace comes over me. So then David says, how long will my enemy be exalted over me? The third way that David was depressed, David didn't want to lose in any area that he was attacked. And he he didn't want to see his enemy exalted over him. First, in his relationship with God, secondly, within himself, and thirdly, in regard to his enemies, David was depressed. And it, it wasn't just him being selfish. David knew that he was God's man. He had a special calling to lead God's people. And so David's enemies were God's enemies. David's feeling that God had abandoned him came out of a sense of depression. Uh, Boyce, I think, lists some several sources of spiritual depression. I think these are very, very important and very valuable. And I really, I think these are really important. Boyce says, uh, Here's a list of several sources of spiritual depression. Temperament. One can be temperamentally inclined to depression. Illness can drain the physical strength and then lead to depression. Exhaustion can also leave one quite open to depression and the feeling of abandonment. The letdown after some great effort fueled by the coming down off of an adrenaline high can also lead to depression. And then finally, pressure from spiritual and natural enemies can push us towards depression. We have to be aware of these things. David was aware of them, which is what leads us on to verse 3. Consider and hear me, O Lord my God, enlighten my eyes, lest I sleep the sleep of death. (laughs) He's very dramatic, right? Um David, when he said, consider and hear me, was using a, a system of repetition. It was a Hebrew method of writing. David was desperately crying out, consider, hear, please, listen. I, I feel like you're not considering. I feel like you're not listening. You're not hearing. But he was going to continue to cry out to God because there was a sense here of David getting to a point where he needed to desperately cry out to God because that was the only way he could get himself to a point to rely on what God had done in the past and the truth of his word. God often waits for our prayers to get desperate, and it seems like that, until he seems to hear us. And sometimes our prayers are powerless because they lack desperation. We just pray hoping that God will care about the things we care about. Um, and that he doesn't care about the things that we don't care about, <laughs> but sometimes they're completely the opposite. He wants us to care about things that we don't care about, and we care about things. That he's like, I don't care about that. I've already got it taken care of. What are you? What are you? What are you wasting my time? I want you to be over here. I've already got that taken care of. Trust me. Do you trust me or not? Um. Desperate prayer is not about trying to get God to change His mind. It. it it means that your heart's getting to a place of passion where you are starting to care about the things of God the way that God wants you to care about them. Which is what Jesus was talking about in John chapter 15 when uh, he said, If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire it should be done for you. In other words, you're asking out of the heart of God himself, not out of your heart. So David says, Enlighten my eyes. David knew here, this is his moment of reality. I'm depressed, going through a tough time. I understand that what I see is not reality, so can you enlighten my eyes so I can see your reality? I can see what's really going on. Which is a wonderful prayer, just a very transparent prayer of reality. I get that what I see is not right. And sometimes we need the light of God's word to shine upon our circumstances. And we have to Pray, enlighten my eyes, show me God. The Apostle Paul uh, knew the importance of having his eyes enlightened by the Lord, which is what he said that he hoped all Christians would do. Ephesians chapter 1, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of him. The eyes of your understanding being enlightened that you may know what is the hope of his calling, what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints, and what is the exceeding greatness of his power toward us who believe according to the working of his mighty power. That's got to be our prayer as Christ follows. David says, Enlighten my eyes, lest I sleep the sleep of death. Because he knew that if he wasn't enlightened by God, he was just surely going to fall asleep. Spiritual sleep leads to spiritual death. And I think Paul had this in mind when he wrote Ephesians 5. Uh, He said, Awake you who sleep, arise from the dead, and Christ will give you light. So we move on to verse 4. Here. Uh, Let my enemy say, I have prevailed against him, lest those who trouble me rejoice when I am moved. David knew that one of the worst parts about losing to anybody is hearing them boast after they've won the battle. And he didn't want his enemy to rejoice when he had been beaten. So then this first half of verse 5. But I have trusted in your mercy. This is very important because David. this is where David arrives again at that place of confidence and trust. I have trusted. And, he, and he's trusted. It's not I'm trusting. I've trusted. I In other words, in the past, I know how to do this. David remembers. Oh, that's right. I really do trust God. And 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 God's. I've asked Him to enlighten my eyes. He's now enlightened my eyes. Now I get it. Oh, that's right. God's got it. I have trusted in Your mercy. God wasn't. God wasn't saying to David, "I want you to trust in my justice. I want you to trust in my law. I want you to trust in my holiness." He's saying, "I want you to trust in my mercy." These are the things that we can always trust God in His mercies. You can always trust God's mercy. The what is that? That's when you and I deserve punishment for something we've done wrong and God withholds the punishment. I have trusted in your mercy. That is something we can always trust in. So then we then we finish off. Uh, verse five. My heart shall receive shall rejoice in your salvation, and I will sing to the Lord. Um, David is now expressing more feelings so his feelings before were depression now he has feelings of rejoicing but it's still feelings based but now his feelings are not about him and his circumstances his feelings are about God and his word and his truth so he says to his heart hey listen now that the eyes of my heart have been enlightened let's start rejoicing what? What shall we rejoice? In my salvation. That's what David rejoiced in. So if there's nothing for us to rejoice in, in the circumstances of life, we can always rejoice in our salvation. The fact that God has saved us. That—that's you, you can't beat that. So we have to always tell ourselves to rejoice in our salvation. And then he said, I will sing to the Lord. I love this statement. David talking about singing. Uh, he knew... That rejoicing was something that could be expressed in singing. Singing is what we're going to do in heaven forever. If you don't like to sing, get used to it, because you're going to spend eternity doing it. People say, oh, I don't like the singing part of the church service. Well, heaven's going to be really tough for you. Just kidding. But here's the deal. We need we, we, singing. There's something about singing. Why singing? Because God created singing. Songs. Singing the Lord expresses joy. It increases our joy. Spurgeon said this, There is not half enough singing in the world. I remember a servant who used to sing while she was at the washtub, and her mistress said to her, Why, Jane? How is it that you are always singing? And she said, It keeps the bad thoughts away. Yeah, that's what we do. We've got some bad thoughts going on, put on some worship music, start singing. The bad thoughts will go away. David was able to move from being depressed and feeling abandoned uh, to a place of rejoicing in God. And how did he do all that? Singing. Remembering what God has done for him in salvation, remembering his mercies and then singing about it. And then he finishes off, because he has dealt bountifully with me. As David reflected on the past, he realized, man, God has been so good to me. If, if I would just remember all the good things God's done, oh man, I got, I have to rejoice. And so we get to this transition part of the psalm here where he remembers that God has replaced the feelings of overwhelmed depression with the feelings of overwhelming rejoicing. Ah, it's wonderful how God can take us through those journeys. He thought God was hiding from him. He thought God had forgotten him. He, he had a problem with God. He had a problem with other people. Now he says, oh God, God, I... I shouldn't have a problem with God because he saved me. He's always shown me mercy. So now David could see God's goodness. The perceptions that were false were gone and the reality of what God had done for David were presented very clearly in front of him. Guzik says this, Before God can enlighten our eyes, we must agree that we don't see everything. We need to realize that our feelings are not giving us full and accurate information. But if we will do this and cry out to the Lord, he will enlighten our eyes and bring us from a place of despair to a place of trust, joy, and confidence. I love that. Observation. God sees all, knows all. You and I will never see all. You and I will never know all. Till we're brought into that perfect knowledge when we spend eternity with God. So we have to trust him. How do we get to a position of trusting him when we feel like he's forgotten us? Remember what he said, remember what he wrote, remember what he's done, remember his mercies. That's the prescription. What do you think? Tell me in the comments below. Heavenly Father, thank you for this wonderful time in your word today. Let us reflect through the circumstances of our life. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you so much for listening. For more content, please don't forget to check out my YouTube channel, Anthony P. Richards. Have a great day.